how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. I got a very special guest today. I have Arjun Lal. He is the co-founder of Rocket and the co-founder and CEO of Hireflow, and he helps startups grow their teams. So one of the cool things is he's got some amazing things. Arjun, you've done some amazing things, man. You're at SurveyMonkey, had a company that you sold to them. You're at Zynga, which for those of you who don't know, that's Farmville. You did some crazy things there. So I'm really excited to dig in your story, man. Happy to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. So it was cool getting a chance to to catch up with you a little bit before we went live. And so, you know, why don't you give the listener, you know, kind of a little backdrop, man, on on where you're at today, what you have, uh, kind of what's the status? I know you guys are mid to high seven figures for you know Rocket and Higher Flow. So let, t- talk to us a little bit about that, man. Where are you at today, and what's kind of going on? Love to share. Love to share that with you. Yeah, thanks for asking, Ryan. So, um, like you said, I'm kind of uh, straddling between two two products. It's really one company, but we have two sides to the business. Uh, Rocket is the company that um, I started with my co-founders um, almost five years ago now, and um, we're about 55 people, and we are still growing rapidly. Um, more or less, um, you know. Our business is built around combining some really interesting technology to help companies um, better identify candidates that are a good fit for them, along with a team of stellar recruiters that can really bring things full circle. And, you know, our belief is that you're not going to just find your next job because some computer says so. It's not like a logic problem. You can't break a person down into some numbers. Um, But at the same time, we can use numbers and technology and data to be a little bit smarter about how we do it. But uh, a really talented recruiting team is also critical to that, that can kind of connect, bring the empathy and understanding, because ultimately you join a company based on how it makes you feel and not what some algorithm is spitting out. And so those two, you know, those two parts of our business work together hand in hand and have created really a um, phenomenal uh, recruiting service for our customers. And those customers you know, range from high growth companies like Robinhood and Coinbase and Strava um, and Hippo Insurance. Uh, wow. you know, some big companies, man. Some great names there. And uh, as well as, you know, very early stage startups that are, you know, maybe just raised some funding from Andreessen Horowitz and are looking to hire their first employee. Um, we can help and scale, you know, across that range. And it's cool to say that we were working with Hippo Insurance when they were 30 people, and now they're a public company, and we're still working with them. So it's it's cool to have that breath. Um, that's so anyway, that's the rocket side, and then we built some cool tech in the process of doing that. Which you know, not everyone wants the full service. Some people really just want to do it themselves, and that's what Hireflow is all about. We you know basically packaged up the best out of tech that we've built on the rocket side, and um, have that available as a freemium SaaS product uh, at Hireflow. Okay, I love that. And so, and is there so you got a combination of services, and then if it's freemium, it's like a platform, right? Correct. Yeah. So, how are you monetizing the platform then, or are you not monetizing that currently? We are. We are. It, it, it is. Uh, you know, that's the beauty of freemium. So there are some of our users using it absolutely for free, and with that, they can 
um, reach out to candidates and kind of optimize with the tooling that we have for their um, streamlining their outbound recruiting. Um, but then we have a lot of customers that are paying for um, higher tiers of service where we will source candidates for them using our technology, as well as give them, you know, more credits to reach out to candidates and things like that. So, um, you know, you can start for free, get, get your foot in the door, and then as your needs increase, we can we can scale up with you. Ah, okay, I gotcha. And so what came first, the chicken or the egg, the services or the software? It was the, it was the services, and that was a conscious decision because... Um, you know, a lot of our tech is tech is machine learning, right? And mm-hmm. you can't develop machine learning. Machine learning is only as good as right. the data you have. So how do you get the data? Well, you have to start recruiting. And so, you know, day one of the business was me <laughs> recruiting a product manager for a gaming company called Carbonated um, and, you know, doing it with an Excel spreadsheet. Um, but you start somewhere. And then over time, we were just able to layer in the software and build the data, which allowed us to develop the tech, which now you know we can now support a platform product so how long did that take how long did it take to you know make that shift build the product like how much data did you need how long yeah like walk us through that man yeah i mean um i guess i suppose if our only goal was to like build this platform and we just needed enough data to get started we could have done it sooner but it we also you know the core rocket service business is very much something we believe in and like that is the core of our business um so it um i don't want to say that it was it was not just a stepping stone so our first goal was to get rocket propped up and like in a stable position actually start to like put put two coals in the fire at the same time but you know just give you some sense of timing it was probably three years in that we actually started um you know the early work of starting to get higher flow going so and that was you know roughly two years ago now. Um, and we were poised to launch in 2020 and were it not for COVID and a lot of, you know, me kind mm-hmm. of back to sales just to kind of keep the company afloat. We would have launched it then, but we really launched, ended up launching in 2021 um, just to get things stabilized during during the COVID time. So, um, you know, threw off our timing a little bit, but hopefully that, that gives you a sense. Okay, yeah, no. So team of about 55, High seven figures, you know, mid to high seven figures. You got, you got the services, you got the platform. Okay. How did you get here, man? What, what, what happened? What happened prior? I mean, we, dude, you were, you're working at some amazing companies. You were throwing out some staggering numbers, which we're going to get into, which I can't wait for people to hear. So what, yeah. So walk us through that, man. I mean, I know you started way back on something that's near and dear in my heart on the, on the fantasy side. Um, and I don't mean like cosplay fantasy. I'm talking like, you know, fantasy sports, but talk, talk about that a little bit, man. That was like one of your first gigs. Totally. Well, yeah, I think, you know, rocket slash higher flow or it's the fourth company that I founded. So I, I definitely have caught the bug, <laughs> caught the bug hard, I guess. Um, and it started, you know, actually started from a pretty young age. Um, you know, I, I learned to program because I had a graphing calculator in, in school and I wanted to play games in math class. And so I, I learned to program and I figured out you could transfer that game to my friends. So I was able to share the things that I made. And that all of a sudden, like it clicked for me. That, oh, look, that was the moment. Out of nothing. And now other people can enjoy it. And like, that was the coolest thing. We're like really connected the loop. And yeah. I, I didn't need anything but time and my energy. And I could kind of in theory build whatever and 
you know, I, I was interested in. And I've, you know, been interested in games from a young age. So that kind of drove my passion and interest in learning how to program. Um, but anyway, kind of fast, fast, fast forward a little bit to college um, to kind of get to, to your question. Um, I had a friend who was a big political junkie. He knew I liked programming. He knew I liked games. And he was like, hey, it's, it seems a bummer to me that my roommate can play fantasy football all the time and I have nothing because I'm really interested in politics. Uh, like, do you, do you think you could help me make this uh, project? And you're like, you're into games, you're into programming. I said, sure, let's figure it out. It sounds interesting. I myself am not a big political junkie, but the challenge, I was up, for, up to the challenge. And so we built it. Um, just as a side project, it was called Fantasy Congress. So it's basically you draft members of Congress and you um, build your fantasy team and you compete just like you would in fantasy football. And, um, you know, you earn points based on how far legislation goes. And we had written all these data parsers. And for the 2006 congressional elections, as far as I know, we were the only people ever to quantify what members of Congress did. And we had a whole stack rank from the most productive member of Congress down to the least um, ranked, you know, all, all those, you know, members of Congress. Wow. And we went around it. Um, and what started as like something that one of our professors was using in his class, we had like 200 people in the world using this to getting coverage in the uh, New York Times. And then CNN and Fox News and NPR and Time Magazine and you name it. And we like within two weeks, we had 40,000 users and wow. this became this became something real very quickly. That's so crazy. Like, OK, so part of me thinks that's nerdy as hell. The other part, like, absolutely <laughs> loves it. Right. I'm like, yeah. could you imagine what a shit show it would be right now if they had that with like the presidential candidates? <laughs> like, It would be ridiculous, you know. So anyways, that's awesome. Love the creativity. Um, I, I didn't tell you this before, but I'm, I, I have been playing fantasy football forever. So I'm that guy, right? Yeah. Um, did the daily stuff and then made actually the world champions championship for that, um, wow. after trying to get there for a while. So that was like my little, my little fun nugget that I did, which was a blast, but it was, it was a hard way to get there. So anyways, I love, love the concept of what you're talking about. Keep going. I'll, I'll shut up. Let's keep telling your story, man. Keep going. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, that, that's pretty cool, though. I, uh, Thanks. you know, fellow fantasy fantasy lover. Um, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, we I was still in college at the time. We got all these users and, you know, the servers were cra crashing left and right. And I kind of learned the hard way how to figure things out, how to scale, you know, how to make all that work. And my co-founders and I decided, well, to become co-founders and turn this into a company. So we finished graduating, but we basically ran that while doing the minimum classes we needed to graduate and um, basically ran it for a year after graduating. We basically bootstrapped our way. We were earning a little bit of money from the site. We we're awesome. doing side gigs, um, building other political apps for the Politico and the Sunlight Foundation and other organizations out in Washington, DC, where we were living and um, more or less, um, you know, made, made it squeak by, paid all of our debts and all that. But after a year, realized that it was time to move on to something new with a bigger market, you know, beyond, yeah. you know, the intersection of politics. A little bigger TAM, right? All right. So we're right. shifting gears. Where'd you go to next? It was this, talk about a little bit about Zynga when you went there and kind of uh, how that shook out, you know, some of the, some of the revenue numbers because you're responsible for revenue and product. So talk about that a little bit. I think that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, after Fantasy Congress started a company called Jam Legend, it was like, 
Guitar Hero for the web. We grew it, you know, to three million registered users, close to a million actives, um, and it was great. And ended up after running that for three years, selling that to Zynga, and um, Zynga eventually shut Jam Legend down. But um, my team and, and I found ourselves on the Farmville team, which was, um, you know, at the time I think we joined, there was I think twenty million daily active users. Wow. So the number astounding. And you know, we thought Jam Legend was big, but this is just like, you know, an order of magnitude. It's insane, man. It's insane. And um it was it was a really uh, phenomenal experience. I learned so much. I worked with some incredible people and it was just such an exciting time to be um on the innovation of gaming in a really strange way. And I think a lot of the traditional AAA gaming folks like didn't respect what we were doing in the same <laughs> way. But we were really pushing the envelope and, and exploring new ways for people to interact with games. And you talk to a lot of our users and you would ask them, do you play games? And they'd say, nope, I don't play games. But really, Armel was just something that they did that they did not think of as a game. Oh, but no way. the way we thought of it as, as a game. Um, and so we just had massive reach. We basically brought people into gaming that had never played games before. And I think casual games that have come after like Candy Crush and others um, have done that as well. But we definitely were at the forefront of really expanding the definition of what it means to, to play a game. And, and so how much revenue did they pull in while you were there? Uh, you know, at one point while I was there, we hit uh, the milestone of a billion dollars in, in lifetime revenue for the product. Oh, billion dollars. That's so crazy, man. So, um, and you were, we were talking before about how, how cool it is. Like you could just add a product or you could just add a feature and people would just slap on another seven figures instantly. I mean, it's just insane. It's probably what it's like with Roblox right now. My kids play that all the time. Um, so, okay. So shifting gears. Okay. So that's awesome. Absolutely cool that you, that you did that. And then you built another company and then you sold it to survey monkey, right? Right. That's right. So So, talk about uh, that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was I was at Singa. I love making games. It's I kind of always aspired and dreamed to do that. I was doing that, but as a business, it was tough because Farmville was massively successful. But we launched a lot of other games that weren't nearly as successful. And I saw all the time and energy and how how well made those games were, but you know, the market just didn't take. And I realized it, you know, being in the business of making games is not something I was excited about doing. Given that you could. Do all that and, and it's still like boom or bust, know. right? You can, That's right. You Very can spend, boom. Oh, you can say yeah. the same any startup, but you know it felt particularly so where you know understanding consumers is just very difficult. So um, I decided instead to build something that maybe be more in service of the gaming industry. And so with some folks that I met at Zynga and worked with at Zynga, um, we started a company called Renzu when we were in the competitive mobile intelligence space. But we could help game developers understand. Um, how much their games were played versus their competitors and whether people playing their games were playing the competitors' games and how often they were playing and all sorts of cool stats so they could kind of spot the new hits before they became big and understand the market. And um, But you know, before we actually even launched that product, we built all the systems, we had all the data, um, but we were just about you know, just a year into the company and we sold it to SurveyMonkey. Um, they got wind of what we were doing um, and Dave Goldberg, who was the CEO at the time, really believed in that and what, what we were what we were up to. And so um, they approached us with an acquisition that came well before we were ever expecting. 
um, but we were really lucky to join forces and build that product out as SurveyMonkey Intelligence after after the acquisition closed. Okay, so so let me stop there, man, because I know we're gonna get to we're gonna get back to present. But the question I have for you is, you know, every it sounds like everything went smooth. Was was there any times where you like totally bottomed out? It absolutely sucked, and things weren't going your way. Um, I've been very lucky. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think like, look, if you look at the broad arc, it, it's all paints a rosy picture. And I would say I've been really fortunate in that. And I think just in, again, luck is, I think, a lot to do with it. But, you know, within all the things I've mentioned, you know, Jam Legend, yes, we sold to Zynga. But before we sold to Zynga, we tried to make a Facebook game because that's where it seemed like the real numbers were. And that game fell flat on its face. It did nothing. Really? Okay. That are done and a failure. And look, if we had made that work, maybe we could have had a game that was like really big as well, and like maybe never have wanted to sell this thing because we could have been sitting alongside them. But they, you know, that didn't happen. Um, so you know, there's there's definitely uh, you know with there's products that have hit success, but I've made many more products than all the ones that I've mentioned. And like how many were failures? You know, I, I guess I just probably I mean. If you don't even count all the stuff I did before Fantasy Congress, like even after Fantasy Congress, we did like three products within Fantasy Congress. And like, again, only one of them was really successful in challenge wow, okay. to at Zynga. I incubated some stuff even after Farmville that were ultimately not successful. So, you know, there we I've seen a lot of failure with products and things that we've that, that I've built. Um, but I've also been lucky that, that some have really taken. So, so what did you have, like as a multiple founder and had all these different ventures, these ups, these downs, like what did you have to believe to keep going and, and to like finally break through? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. I think, um, something that I, I think is maybe unique to the way I'm built. Maybe it's playing video games growing up where you try to beat a level and you'd fail and you try to yep. beat it fail and fail and fail and fail and like you just have more lives and you just keep trying but the video games condition you that there is always a win condition there is always a win state and it's not like that in real life but i think i'm conditioned to believe there's okay. always a state, and like it doesn't matter if i fail if i learn and do it better the next time then we can get there and i can beat the level and so <laughs> i think there's some amount of like persistence and um i would i, I don't fear failure and there may be something dangerous in that, which is sometimes fear can be a good motivator. I don't think it's there for me. So I, you know, will just forge ahead and not worry too much about what failure looks like. And again, I feel fortunate that I've always been able to um, provide for myself and my family and like have a, have a, you know, roof over my head and food to feed me and like, you know, you know, my parents' house to, 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 to retreat back to if I really needed to. <laughs> Which, you know, when you when you think about it, like when you have the base needs met, then it allowed me to take the risks that um, I could to just keep keep pushing forward. That's so true, man. That's so true. And it, it, you seem like cool as a cucumber, totally even keel. So, um, all right, we'll, we'll walk us through to kind of where you're at right now. And, you know, you're you have Rocket and co and then you got higher flow that you created after. Right. Once you started to get the services engine rolling um how did you do that so like the early days you know because you're, you're doing well i mean there's a lot of companies that never get past a million in revenue 
your highest seven figures, mid to highest seven figures. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And so like, what, like, how did you do that? Like what, what kind of revenue engine did you create to make that a reality? Yeah. Look, I don't actually don't think there's anything too magic there, but I think it was intentional in how we started the business. And, um, uh, you, you know, there's, uh, I was recently reading an article from Bloomberg Beta, um, their venture capital arm, and uh, one of their partners was talking about the concept of a hot swap, hot swap startup, which is basically um, you take an existing business model and, and an interface in the way that customers are used to interacting with some with something, and you swap it out with your new startup. As far as the business is concerned, it's the same thing. But what's happening underneath the hood could be very different. So, you know, we're in recruiting. So we decided not to reinvent the model. There are a lot of companies and platforms out there trying to try something new and like have the candidates like say what the salary they want, and then the other people, you know, the companies will bid for them. The other, we just said, look, recruiting agency model works. I myself have paid a lot of recruiting agency fees in my experience as a founder and operator. Um, that model works. Let's use that model. We don't need to test the market. We don't need to innovate on the business model. Um, we just need to be able to more effectively deliver on what we sign up for. So because of that, we were again able to kind of hot swap in and um, we had less risk from um, market perspective. And it was just about how well can we execute? And the big X factor that we really brought in was can technology actually make a difference and that was our hypothesis that it would. And we were lucky enough to prove that, yes, it can make a difference and it does. Um, but from kind of just getting, we had, you know, we had revenue from, I wouldn't say day one, but effectively, you know, a few months before we made our first revenue. So from Q1, <laughs> we had, we had revenue, which was also a kind of a conscious decision, conscious decision of my co-founders and I was we wanted a business that could generate revenue from the beginning after having done a lot of businesses that were not like that and built a lot of businesses that, that couldn't do that. Um, and we were lucky enough to be able to do that from the beginning and validate our model from, from the very beginning. Okay. So let me ask you this, because this is like, why recruiting? Like, it seems so random that you're like head of product and then you're like recruiting to start out. It just, so how, how did that happen, man? Like, it seems so random. So how did, how did you fall in, not fall into it? How did you choose that path? Yeah, look, it's, um, it's a combination of things. Um, I, you know, myself and, and my co-founder and CEO um, have faced a lot of this challenge when we were recruiting at our previous company, Renzu, and growing and rapidly scaling that team. We hired 12 engineers in the first eight months of the company. Um, it was a full-time job, even though we were supposed to be doing everything else and something didn't feel right. Yes, it was very important, but the fact that it consumed so much of my time and so much of my co-founder's time didn't feel right. And I remember distinctly at the time thinking as we were trying to find candidates and reaching out to them, it's like, man, if we could just get like one of our engineers or one of my, my co-founder to just like write some scripts to make this faster, that would be great. But there was no way we could dedicate any engineering time to go away from our core product, right? So we didn't, we never built that. But I, we, you know, I always love to think about how do I do something better? How do I optimize what I'm doing? Um, 
and make it more efficient. And so like that kept clicking in the back of my head. And my co-founder is a former McKinsey consultant. He's very much the same thing, right? And so we kept thinking about that. And we also worked with agencies. We worked with platforms. Um, and we paid a lot of fees to agencies and platforms, but ultimately also felt like we weren't getting uh, our money's worth in terms of the quality of the service delivered to us. Mm -hmm. So we saw both a problem of under delivery. We, we, there's a clear pain point there around time and like focus. It was a priority. You cannot ignore hiring. There right, are yeah. spent there, but the current players weren't weren't doing it. And so for us, it just felt like all those things lined up. We felt passionate about it. My co-founder in business school had tried creating a uh, recruiting matching startup. Like he's been passionate about it for a long time, and uh, kind of okay. everything lined up to say like let's let's go after this space. And again, we're the foolish folks that don't have a background in recruiting that have come in to say like let's do it better. But we brought along our, our managing director who had a recruiting business for ten years um, before joining us to kind of help us um, bridge the gap there. That, yeah, that, I mean that's so simple and elegant. I love it. You just it's it's a problem you had and massively under deliver. And when they did, it was kind of crappy, right? It was very good. And um, I've been through that experience. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So, how do you create revenue? Are you leveraging a um, a sales go to market motion marketing? Uh, you know, and I know it's it's kind of different because you got the freemium model, so that's more probably product led. I would assume on that side. But like, yeah, what's what's your your revenue strategy? How do you guys set that up? And then um, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> our approach with Rocket, you know, we've never had a sales team on the Rocket side um, out of, it's either been myself or one of my co-founders and usually just one of us at a time that kind of have owned the sales funnel. Now that we're a little bit bigger, um, you know, we do have others on the team helping out with that. But Really, we we don't have an outbound sales motion for Rocket. We don't do a lot of aggressive selling. Um, we have some amazing partnerships with a lot of top tier venture capitalists that mm -hmm. you know we're well aligned in that we can help companies hire, and that's often the biggest problem after they've deployed five million, ten million dollars into a company. So that's been really valuable for us. But ultimately, I think it boils down to one of our values as a company and one of the you know things that that I hold near and dear is a very long-term thinking about our customers and how we run the business and you know ultimately if we can deliver high quality work for our customers and make sure they're satisfied and think long term you know it's okay we'll refund the fee today to make sure that things are right because we know in the long term that will create the foundation of a long-term partnership that has basically allowed us to grow largely by word of mouth and referral. You know, our clients are satisfied. They tell their friends and we basically get enough inbound interest that, um, you know, we've, we've been able to, well, actually we've struggled to keep up with the demand of, you know, of, of everything that's coming in, but it's, it's more than, more than necessitated um, our needs for. That's uh, fantastic. That's my, it's my revenue love language is referrals. I've been uh, working. Um, it's so funny. I mean, wasn't a focus area. It was in some aspects. And then once I started looking back and paying attention, there's a massive opportunity there. So it's great that you're getting those inbound. There's yeah. ways where you can systemize it too and speed that up. But you and I can talk about that later. Um, so yeah, yeah. I did a, po I did a couple of podcasts on it actually. Um, but um, so yeah, there's that. And um, I, I, so what's your vision? 
you know, where do you, where do you want to take this? How big do you want to get? Do you eventually want to take on funding? I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah. So, um, we have taken on funding. We were very fortunate to have some amazing investors and backers really from day one, we did a seed round and we've done a series A since then. So it has helped us propel the growth. And even though we have revenue from day one, we didn't have to run it entirely bootstrapped and could take some more risks. But, you know, the way we we view it is, you know, in the, even just the core services area, there's the Ron Stodds, the Decos, the Robert Halfs of the world, yeah. billion dollar companies out there in the recruiting space that are doing this. Um, and they're not adapting with the times, not use, utilizing the technology as well as they should. Um, you know, those are very much our targets that we're going to be sitting alongside them. And, you know, and uh, these businesses aren't built overnight, but, you know, you build the right trajectory, you build the right foundation, and we're, we're well, well on our way there. So, um, you know, that's how we view that. But the cool thing is we have a multi-pronged effort with our company. And so HireFlow pre presents its own growth opportunities um, on a kind of more SaaS platform side of things so we can expand and grow beyond just the companies that can afford kind of a services offering to really anyone that's hiring and, and really expand our market share even further. So I think with those two um, uh, products running in parallel, I'm really excited about the yeah. potential. It's a truly, I, I think you're the first guest that I've had on the show that has that kind of services platform combo. So I think it's really cool. Um, so if everything goes well, you wave a magic wand three years from now, what's your revenue? I mean, yeah, we could be 50 million, like things go really well. Like I don't, I don't see this slowing down anytime soon, uh, absent, you know, black swan events in the economy. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's awesome. So super excited for you on that. Uh, we're getting close on time. Uh, I guess like, so why don't we do a fast fire and then we'll, we'll round it out. So who is your favorite founder or CEO that you follow right now? Hmm. Good question. Um, I don't know if I have a single CEO that I look up to really strongly. Um, I would say lately I've been really interested in following, um, Andy Raskin on LinkedIn and his whole approach around strategic, um, uh, strategic marketing and, and branding and, um, and just kind of getting insights on like how, you know, he talks to some of the CEOs he coaches and um, just kind of getting to like kind of be a fly on the wall in some of that. So I've thought that's been been pretty interesting. That's excellent. Yeah. Uh, OK, so what, what advice would you give your 20 year old self that you know now? Hmm. I think I would probably say to make fewer assumptions, in particular, fewer assumptions about what others are doing and thinking. And, um, you know, a great example of that would just be uh, kind of related is, as, you know, assuming what your users need or want, right? And yeah. really, I should have been out there earlier in my career talking to the users, understanding them, um, really checking the assumptions or just not having the assumptions to begin with and building what I know to be true. By, by establishing that. But I think more and more, you know, whether it's a user, whether it's a teammate, whether it's, um, you know, a partner um, not making the assumption and kind of figuring it out and hearing it from them um, has made a big difference. Yeah, that's such, I, that's such great advice. 
and it's so often overlooked with products. So I think that's that's amazing advice. And then last but not least, what's your favorite book you've read over the last two years? Well, <laughs> this was one that is, um, uh, well, there's a few that come to mind. There's uh, one book that is not related to startups technology at all, but has had a profound effect on my life. It's called The South Asian Health Solution by Ronish Sinha. And what? what's that about? To me by someone that's not even Indian, uh, but obviously it's targeted towards the Indian community, but it's completely changed my relationship about how I think about what I eat, what is healthy, like how I live my life. And like, I honestly feel better than I ever have because of what I've learned in this book. And I, I've given it away to, I think, like 20 people <laughs> um, wow. and it's been really impactful for a lot of them as well. Um, but I think for the first time in my life, you know, I've struggled with high cholesterol and other things that like, you know, um, you know, are not ideal. And I feel like I actually mechanically now understand what happens in my body and why making certain behavior changes um, actually make a difference. And that's been, been a huge difference. So wow. that's been super Well, that's, and it, it, what, High level. What what kind of eating is it? Just so I Yeah, so I, I mean less it's it's low carb uh okay. eating. And it's okay. a like I more or less am keto most of the time, but um, you know, he's he's doesn't he's not in the book it doesn't say you need to go that far, but it's just like being conscious of your carb intake and what type of carbs and how you think about that. Obviously, vegetables I'll eat as many as I can, but you know, processed flour and sugar. Oh, yeah that I'll probably try to avoid. Okay. Um, so, yeah. That's great advice. Okay. And so where can people find you? Where can they learn more about Rocket Co or HireFlow? Yeah. So our website for Rocket is getrocket.com and HireFlow is hireflow.ai. And um, if you reach out via either website and um, let them know you heard me on the podcast will be more than happy to offer you a special offer as a nice well little friend of the family discount special offer i love it arjun all right well hey it was awesome having you on the show i just love your demeanor you're so chill and just like go with the flow and and like you have failures and it doesn't even doesn't even seem like it it hits you that bad so way to power through man you've done some amazing things in your career and really excited to see you guys get to that 50 million mark in uh you know another three years or so we'll have you back on the show back then that'd be amazing let's make it happen all right arjun we'll see you thanks Frank. thank you for checking out the scale up show my mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design so if you enjoyed this show please like review share it on social and more importantly just share it with a friend share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today but the more we get the message out the more people we could help the bigger the impact we make and the bigger the community gets which helps everybody so once again thank you for being a loyal listener i appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode